Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. So glad you're going to hang out with us today. I think we've got something really unusual to share with you. As a matter of fact, the title is An Obscure Visit from an Unknown Wise Man. You know, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, tells us of the wise men who were led to worship Christ at his birth. I'm sure you remember that, correct? Well, you know, the text doesn't give us their names, right? They were unknown. Well, the man that wrote what we're about to read from the book of Proverbs, he also, uh, I guess we would have to admit, well, he's unknown. We don't know his name. We don't know a lot about him. Well, we know his name, but we just don't know a whole lot about him because other than this one passage, he's not found anywhere else in the Bible. But you know, in Proverbs 25, verse 1, it says, these also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. So we know that there was some gathering, some collecting, there was some copying of the Proverbs of Solomon, but there were also other wise men who were in existence at that time. I find it interesting, if you were to go back, for example, to 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 30 and 31, you would hear this, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, breadth of mind, like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman, Kakal, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Isn't that interesting? From uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 30 and 31, 32. But I just was wondering, who was this man that we're going to uh, hear from today? From Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. It's almost like he is going to bring some treasures, like the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. Well, this wise man is also going to bring six treasures to place at the feet of Jesus. It's an amazing passage, rarely written on Christmas cards or sang in Christmas carols, but I believe it gives us a wonderful description of the God-man. Why did he come? What was the incarnation really about? And who was he? Who was this baby that was born in Bethlehem and so forth? I think when we especially read verse four, somehow it's going to really uh, speak to our hearts about who Christ uh, is and why he came and what this uh, season of Christmas is really all about. So let me first uh, read through the text I'm going to be reading through the ESV, but I'm going to read one footnote that is found at the bottom 
of my page that uh, it would be included in verse one. But here's what it says. The words of Agur, son of Jekeh, the oracle, the man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and you call. The man declares, I'm weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the winds in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Well, sort of strange yet fascinating words that we hear from this one named Agur. Like I said earlier, he's only mentioned here. This is all we know about him. His name is Agur, uh, and he uh, is the son, it says, of Jekai. What's interesting is Jekai means blameless. It makes me wonder, wait a minute, what's going on here? Who is this man Jekai who was named blameless? And this man named Agur is uh, saying he was his son. So anyway, I thought it was fascinating. It sort of reminds me almost of the mystery that's found in the book of Genesis and mentioned again in Hebrews of Melchizedek. Uh, you know, when Melchizedek come on the scene and it's like, he didn't have a father or mother. Wait a minute, who is this guy? What does Melchizedek mean? Well, his name means king of righteousness. But what I find interesting is this guy's father is named Jekai, meaning blameless. But what's also interesting is who it says he was making a declaration to. It says, the man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and you call. Do you know what Ithiel means? In the Hebrew, that word means God is with me. God is with me. Doesn't that sound a lot like Emmanuel, which means God's with us, plural. Yet this word, Ithiel, means God is with me. I found that really striking. But then you call is also interesting. It means power, the mighty one, the one who is who prevails. You know, in Isaiah 9:6, it is said of the Messiah that he would be called the mighty God. So how interesting it is. But what's uh, also equally fascinating to me is what verse one says. The man declares, I'm weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Why would he be so weary? You know, I got to thinking about it, and I, th I thought, where have I heard the word weary before? And I remembered something that Jesus said back in Matthew, in Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle 
and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus came into a very religious part of the world in Israel. He stepped in there and the people were trying so hard to do things the right way, to earn their way uh, into God's favor. And yet they were much like this man, Agur, is saying. He says, the man declares, I'm weary, O God. I'm weary, O God, and worn out. You know, we can learn a lot about our creator just from creation, right? But you know what we need? We need scripture in order to know about the Redeemer. Would you agree to that? You know, I found it uh, also interesting that in verse one, it says, the words of Agur, son of Jakeh, the oracle. The man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and you call. The man declares, I'm weary, O God. I'm weary, O God, and worn out. I couldn't help but find it interesting, that word oracle. That word means utterance. It means an inspired, prophetic word from God. You see, the first treasure that I feel that this passage places at the feet of the Lord Jesus, it's like an admission. And what he is admitting to the Lord is, we cannot see without biblical inspiration. The Redeemer is unseen without biblical inspiration. Do you remember in John chapter 9, where there was a man who was born blind? He was born blind, and yet Jesus healed him of his sight. And they said, the one who was blind, he now sees. And he was so excited. He said, I once was blind, but now I see. Who made that difference? The Lord Jesus Christ made the difference. Can you imagine that man opening his eyes for the very first time? And who does he see? The Son of God. You know, I believe that Scripture says that all have our, um, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us fall short of what God wants. Each of us have turned to our own way, is what Isaiah 53 says. And so I couldn't help but think, you know, we can relate to that blind man. Spiritually, we're in a dark world. We're in a dark place. That's what Romans 3 talks about when Paul is saying, you know, that, hey, no one is seeking after God. No one understands God. It's like from our nature, from our birth, we are sinners. I know we are sinners by choice, but I'm telling you, we are also sinners by nature. And so we too have to come just like this wise man, Agur, and say to the Lord, you know, you are unseen apart from biblical inspiration. Aren't you so thankful that the Lord put together the, the word of God so that we can understand him and know him and uh, have fellowship with him, understand his plans and his promises? I like that. Well, this uh, wise man, Agur, places a second treasure at the feet of Jesus. I want to read on to verses 2 and 3, because I believe that he is unsearchable apart from divine revelation. It's sort of the same idea of being unseen without biblical inspiration, 
But the second treasure is unsearchable apart from divine revelation. If God had not placed in his word all of his ways, do you think you would be able to search them and figure them out? Well, Romans 11.33 tells us the truth. It says, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. No wonder Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 29.29, The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to our children for generations to come. I'm so glad that God didn't keep everything a secret, that God says, I know you won't be able to find all of my ways on your own. And so that's what I hear. Even this wise man, Agur, admitting to the Lord in verses two and three. Let me read it to you again. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. You know, before he can confess his faith in Christ, he has to acknowledge his folly without Christ. It's almost like what I hear Agur saying is, all that I know is that I know nothing. Do you hear the humility? Do you hear his teachability? You know, before he speaks of the attributes of the Savior, he admits his need for the Savior. You know, it's. I feel like these words are almost like poetic. They're, they're sort of like a poetic exaggeration. Of course he knows things when he calls himself a stupid man and not having understanding and so forth. But what I find interesting is he's acknowledging his own limitations before a wise and a holy God. You know, I remember when I was a missionary in Japan, I would see people bowing and giving sacrifices and saying prayers to idols, idols that were made of stone or sometimes gold or silver. Sometimes they would pray to trees or to rivers and rocks and so forth. But um, I thought, you know, all around the world, there are people who simply, they're trying to figure out God. They're trying to learn his ways but they can't. That's why I think he's so unsearchable apart from divine revelation. I even heard about one cult group in the Philippines. And what was happening was no one knew who they were, but whenever people would be stopped at a uh, traffic light or when they'd be stopped at an intersection waiting for their turn, I don't know if you've ever been in the Philippines and driven, but it can be uh, pretty scary But anyway, when they do stop and they get bunched up, when they would do that, these people would suddenly descend upon their cars and let the air out of their tires. Isn't that comical? Why would they let their air out of their tires? You won't believe it. They were a part of a cult group called Let God's Air Go Free. Isn't that amazing that there's people around the world that actually think that God is like air. So if you have air in your tires, then you've got their God trapped within a tire. Oh my goodness. You see, all around the world, we need to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's revealed himself in his son. 
God has made such striking revelation through the New Testament, Old Testament, through the Word of God. And so we need to share that because apart from knowing what He has revealed, they're not going to know the truth. And so we have to tell them. But I want to also move into verse 4. Verse 4 is loaded. It says, Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Somebody's come down from heaven. How many people do you know that have come down from heaven? This is one of those places where, you know, the book of Proverbs, remember that they're Proverbs. They're not promises to claim. It's like there are parallels to observe. There are things that God wants us to look upon. And what he wants us to consider is, remember who came from heaven, who ascended to heaven, but also who came down from heaven. So I thought the third treasure is the unparalleled apart from Christ's incarnation. Unparalleled apart from Christ's incarnation. I mean, who would be able to say they've ascended to heaven? Who would be able to say they've come down from heaven? No one that I know other than Jesus Christ. I'm just thinking, Lord, this man was really wise to write this, you know, whenever he was inspired to write it in Proverbs. You know, in John chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. I'd say that's pretty clear, right? Isn't it about Jesus? And of course, we know not only did he uh, descend out of heaven when John 1 says he was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word uh, was God, but then the Word became flesh. Remember in John chapter 1, verse 14? But then he ascended. He ascended into heaven, like it refers to in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and Luke chapter 24 and verse 51. Wow, these are powerful things to consider. I mean, we're not talking about Enoch. We're not talking about Elijah. We're talking about Jesus. That's why I say he's unparalleled. But then I thought about how unstoppable in planning implementation. Unstoppable in planning implementation. I mean, yes, this was God's plan, but what if somebody wanted to stop it? Or what if anything wanted to stop it? Well, let's look at what it says in verse four. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Now get the next two questions. Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? What if there was a terrible storm? What if there was waves? What if there was wind? I mean, strong, powerful wind. Well, maybe we need to read in Matthew 8, Mark 4, and Luke 8, where Jesus stands up in the boat with his disciples in a storm. They were so worried. These men were professional fishermen, yet they never seen anything like this. They thought, we're going to go down. We're going under. But Jesus stood up and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it all calmed down. And you know what? They couldn't believe it. It scared them to death to know exactly who Jesus was. You see, Jesus came in response to the Father's plan. And so he was unstoppable in the implementation. He was not going to die on on the Sea of Galilee in some little storm. No way. And then another time, he comes walking to the 
to the disciples on top of the water, defying gravity. And I've never seen anybody walk on the water. I mean, my brother got close one time when he thought, you know, people were saying there was a shark at Gulf Shores and it seemed like he was walking on it, but eventually he went under. But hey, this is a true account, historical account of Jesus walking on the water. All I'm trying to say here, he's unstoppable no matter what's coming against him. But then also he's unlimited in his personal qualifications. You know, if Jesus were to show us his credentials, what would they be? How about this one? Who has established all the ends of the earth? Who has established all the ends of the earth? Do you know there are passages in scripture that talk about how God founded the earth upon its pillars and so forth, that God spoke into existence? All that we can see, the sun, the moon, the stars, this planet, it's incredible. And yet Jesus says in Colossians 1.16 and in John 1.3, the word of God tells us it was through Christ. He is how creation came about. And so I'm thinking, wow, just consider his unlimited qualification if he was there at creation. And so now here he's coming at Christmas Whenever we celebrate Christmas, we're remembering his birth, right? That wasn't his beginning. No, he was from ancient times. There's never been a time when Jesus was not. So I'm thinking, how incredible is all of this, that this was given to this uh, man so long ago? And then think about where it says, what is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Wow. Wow you know what? There's been a lot of people who wouldn't know the answer to that. It's unknown without New Testament orientation. The whole thing reminds me so much of the book of Job. You ever thought about how in Job chapters uh, 38, I think it's 38 and 39, where, you know, uh, Job was asking God some questions and then God turned around and asked him some questions. And it's like, he didn't know the answer to these things. Well, Agur is saying long before the New Testament was written, what's his name? What's his son's name? He didn't know. And then he says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So I was thinking about how, you know, who Christ is, it just was a mystery until it was revealed to us in the New Testament. You know, in Ephesians chapter 3, it says uh, in these verses, uh, chapter 3, verse, well, let me start at verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I've written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, that's his name, which was not made known to the sons of men, we could say maybe Agur, right, in other generations. And it is as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise 
in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Wow, aren't you glad you were born on this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, this side of the writing of the New Testament? You see, there's a mystery without the New Testament orientation, or why don't we call it a key? It's like there's a, there's a, a locked door and we can't get through, but it's not a problem for the person who has the key. And so the New Testament key unlocks the mystery. You know, in John chapter 3, verses 31 down through verse 38, here's what it says. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard. Yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Wow, it's like the New Testament key unlocks the mystery. So that's why I see such a connection between all of these prophetic references to Jesus that Agur is given in verse 4, and then these incredible words in verse 5 and 6 about the Word of God, telling us, for example, how the New Testament key has complete accuracy. It's perfection. It says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. All we have to do is trust it. But then look at verse 6. It's like because of his accuracy, it brings complete sufficiency. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Isn't that fantastic? I'm just telling you, this wise man although not mentioned on very many Christmas cards, and I don't, I've never hear them singing about Agur in any of our uh, Christmas uh, programs, but all I'm saying is, wasn't he out there in terms of how God had revealed these insights to him? He didn't know it all, and of course, he's admitting that. From the very beginning, he's saying he's weary, he's worn out. He's admitting, I'm stupid. I'm more stupid. I can't be a man. I don't have the understanding of a man. I've not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. And yet when you get to verse four, and then you follow what he's saying down into verses five and six, this guy was a spiritual hoss, no doubt about it. Well, anyway, I was just so blessed when I read those words, and I thought maybe you would like something fresh, something that could Deepen your faith, deepen your faith in Christ for sure, but also deepen your faith in the Word of God. It is so sufficient. So all I encourage you to do is take time over the holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and so forth. Take time to really say, Lord, speak to me through your Word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for those who are listening to the podcast today. I pray you bless them. I pray that, God, you would seal the message that was uh, placed in their hearts today. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us 
to, to gain more and more wisdom and insight of who Christ is and why you sent him. Lord, when I think about it, I'm thinking, no wonder you sent him. We couldn't, we couldn't, we were weary and tired. We didn't know how to find your wisdom. And so you sent your son to become a man so that he would say, follow me. This is the way. This is the way to wisdom. Oh God, thank you so much for Christ. Bless those who listen today. May they get to know him better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, you have a great day and I hope that uh, God will continue to deepen your understanding of who he is. God bless. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.